I want to talk to you this morning about spectacular faith. Spectacular faith is our goal. It should be our goal, you know. Uh, no one, when we come to the Lord, has, I don't believe, what I'd call spectacular faith. Faith is a work in progress. Faith is something that has to be built. I believe that faith can become spectacular, but um, you don't just start out there. It, it, has to, it has to grow. It has to mature. But spectacular faith, I think, should be a goal, a place that we need to get there. In order to get to a place of spectacular faith, we first have to build our faith. Faith is a work in progress. Everyone is on a different level in their faith. You know, people have different... Um, None of us were, we weren't all saved, I should say, at the same time, on the same day. We're at different levels in our walk. We've invested different amounts of time in this, in our Christian life, in our walk with the Lord. So our faith is on different level, on different levels. It's like, in the, uh, pick a day next summer and go drive around the county and look at, look at the fields of corn that you see throughout the county. There's, there's some of it planted on real good ground. There's some in sandy ground. There's some up high on the hill. There's some down low in the valley. There's some where the ground is dry. There's some where there's low wet spots on the ground. Look at all that corn, and you'll see several different examples of fields of corn. You'll see some corn that's just beautiful over your head already, all tasseled out. You'll see some that's maybe only chest high. You'll see some that's only knee high on the exact same day. You'll see some that's just, it looks as healthy as can be. You'll You'll see some other corn where maybe it's on sandy soil and without proper moisture, it's, the leaves are beginning to shrivel up and the plant's beginning to die already. You'll see some corn that has a nice lush green color. You'll see some in a lowland where maybe it's even in standing water and it'll just have that sickly yellow color to it. It's all corn, but it's at different stages of its development. That's how we are in our faith, I believe. We're all at different stages in our development of faith. Some of our faith... Some people's faith here is spectacular, some faith is strong, some faith is weak, but it's still faith, okay? It's just at a different level of development in your walk with the Lord. The Christian life is a life of faith. It's not a lifeless, inactive faith, but it's a faith that's alive. It's a faith that's active. It's a faith that responds to the Word of God. And you do have faith this morning. I want to assure you of that. You do have faith. Your faith, uh, possibly events in life, have caused your faith to become weak. Your faith may be struggling. Your faith may be bruised and battered. But you do have faith. Everybody in the building this morning, I believe, believes in God, having never seen God. Okay, that's faith. You believe in something that you have not seen. That's faith. Okay? Sometimes in life, we may find ourselves in situations where we question our faith. I remember the story of John the Baptist. Um, I don't know, reading the description of the life of John the Baptist and of his existence, if he ever had what we'd call a high point in life, if he ever had a point where he was really on top of the mountain. If he did have one of those points, I think it would be in John 1.29. He looked off and saw Jesus coming. And all of a sudden he had this tremendous revelation. And he points and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a revelation. What a high point for John the Baptist. To have that revelation. To be the one. To speak to the people around him. There he is. There's the Messiah that we've been looking for. A little while later, at what we might call the lowest point in John the Baptist's life, he's in prison, despondent, desperate, probably realizing his life was coming to an end. And in John 11:3, it says, So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you really the Messiah we've been looking for, or should we keep looking for someone else? John the Baptist, who on this high point, as I call it, 
said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At a low point, the same man says, Are you the one? Or do we look for another? He forgot in the darkness what he'd learned in the light. That can happen to our faith. Strong faith can sometimes be bruised and battered. Strong faith can be made to struggle based on the circumstance and the event in life that we're facing. So if your faith is one of those lower levels, let me encourage you this morning, don't be embarrassed by that. Don't feel guilty about that. I think one of the greatest, maybe not greatest, but one of the most honest statements in the Bible was the man who brought his son to Jesus. In Mark chapter 9, the boy was um, possessed by a demon. Verse 20 says, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was very small. The evil spirit often makes him fall into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. Do something if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And this is a statement that I love from this man. The father instantly replied, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. King James Version says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What a statement. What a powerful statement. He wasn't embarrassed. I don't believe that he didn't have faith to believe everything. He had faith to believe that Jesus could deliver his son. Maybe there were other areas of life he didn't have faith in. But to say, I believe, but help my unbelief. If your faith is struggling this morning, if you feel that your faith is weak, I think that's a good thing to go to the Lord and say, I believe, Lord. I still believe. I haven't, I haven't dismissed my faith. I haven't renounced my faith. I still believe. But for some reason, something that's come to me has caused my faith to struggle. Would you help my unbelief? What an honest thing to say to the Lord. You think he appreciates honesty? I do. I think the Lord appreciates honesty. So if you're struggling, Lord, help my unbelief. Don't be embarrassed or guilty if your faith is struggling, if your faith is bruised and battered. Work on your faith. Build your faith. Exercise your faith. Faith is like our bodies, I think, in a way. Every one of us have the same muscles in our body. Same arm muscles, same leg muscles, same core muscles. We all have the same muscles. However, not everyone's muscles look the same on each person. Um, not everyone looks the same. Not everyone's muscles respond the same. Not everyone's muscles perform the same. They are different because of the different levels of exercise and the different levels of activity we expose our muscles to. Now, as I said, last night, actually Friday night, we went down to Rochester. My daughter, my son-in-law, and his mother are moving. And we were down there until about 7.30 last night, and I come home, and I sat down on my desk to begin to work on this, and an hour later, I got up to go get a glass of water, and I realized that my muscles are some of those neglected ones that don't get a lot of activity and don't get a lot of exercise. I mean, I hurt when I got up. Fortunately, a night's sleep took care of it, but... Um, I said, don't be embarrassed about your faith, but I was a little embarrassed about the condition of my body. Let me tell you that. But don't be embarrassed by the condition of your faith. Faith has to be worked on, just like those muscles do. Faith has to be worked. It has to be exercised. If you want to build and increase your faith, work on your faith. Work on it. Faith is necessary to please God. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, So you see, it is impossible to please God without faith. 
Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. If you come to God with that expression, Lord, help my unbelief. If you ask the Lord for help with your faith, he's going to respond. It says he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So he will help you with your faith. And we need faith. Can you imagine walking with the Lord, a Christian walk, without faith? Uh, it'd be horrible. How could we do it? You know, if, there, if it wasn't for faith, why would we even be here this morning? Nothing can be known or received from God unless we first believe in His existence and believe that God has revealed Himself in His Word. We need faith. Now, there's a day coming, sometime sooner for some of us than others of you, but there's a day coming when we're not going to need faith anymore. We are going to be in possession of everything that we believe for. Those loved ones of ours who were in Christ and have gone before us, do they need faith? No. They're in possession of what they spent their entire Christian life believing for. It's all right there in front of them. They don't have to hope for things because they're right there. They don't have to have faith for these things because they're right there. They don't have to hope that the word of God is true. It's right there in front of them, revealed to them. They're not going to need that anymore. But we're stuck here yet. We still need hope. We've got to have hope because despair is all around us. We need love because the world is full of hate. We need to believe in the cross of Jesus Christ because the world is still full of sin. And we need faith because the world is gripped by unbelief. Can you imagine not having faith and hope in something and trying to get through this world the way it is nowadays? Just look at the news. It, it's just discouraging. It's depressing. If you look without faith, okay, just, just from a man's perspective, if you look the thing, at the things that happen in government, the things that happen in different areas of the world, it, it's just a disaster. Without faith, without hope, can you imagine the despair? And we see people that are experiencing this because they don't have hope, because they don't have faith. We need our hope. We need our faith. We still need those things because we're still in this world. Faith is one of the foundations for our entire Christian life. Such an important foundation, such an important block in that wall. The word faith itself is found in the New Testament 244 times. 244 times we find the word faith. The word believe or believed is in there an additional 214 times. That's a pretty important topic to get that much, that much mention, I think. Faith is to be our way of life. Romans 1, 16, 17, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Faith is to be our way of life. Our walk is to be a walk of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Like I said, if we, if we walked by sight and, and our moods and our attitudes were based on the things we see in this world, what a disaster. But we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't go by what we see. We go by faith. Webster defines faith as a belief and trust in and loyalty to God. Belief and trust in and loyalty to God. The Bible defines faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1, says, what is faith? It is a confident assurance that we have hope for what is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. Faith is to trust in God. To have faith is to have confidence in God and in His Word. To have faith is to believe what God said. 
To have faith is to believe that God will perform what he promised. That's what faith is. Why did you all come here today? What brought you here? What drove you here? Faith. There may be several reasons, but one of the big ones was faith. You come here today because of your faith. You had faith that as you come, God was going to show up here and meet you. You had faith that his presence was going to be here. You had faith that your needs were going to be met. You had faith that you could come fellowship with your brothers and sisters. That you could fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have faith to believe the message in the songs that we sing this morning. They're not just empty, hollow words. There's a message in them. And your faith causes you to believe that message that we sang, that those words that are on the board there this morning. Why do we ask Christ into our life? Because we had faith that he had power to save us from our sins because of the resurrection. Why do we read the word? Because we have faith that the word of God is true. Why do we pray? Because we believe we have faith that God will answer our prayers. You imagine this? You imagine all these things without faith? Without faith, worship and prayer and reading the word are just empty, hollow things. They're just routine things. They're, ju they're just something that we do for the sake of doing it. But with faith, worship, and the word, and prayer become priceless. They become priceless. Something that can just be hollow when you add faith to it becomes priceless because of faith. Prayer is priceless because of faith. The word is priceless because of faith. Worship is priceless because of faith. Your relationship with the Lord is priceless because of faith. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Without faith, it just, it just wouldn't be worth anything. But because of faith, it's priceless. Faith will also change your perspective about things. You can look, two different people can look at the exact same circumstance, one without faith, one with faith, and they will see two totally different things. Time can change your perspective about things. New information can change perspective about things. Your age can change perspective about things. One of my favorite things uh, to do has always been to deer hunt. I just, I've always enjoyed, I haven't enjoyed as much the last couple of years. It seems to be, as I said, how many of you found that passions change sometimes in life as you get older, okay? I haven't enjoyed it as much the last couple of years as I used to, but that used to be, I would look forward to those nine days all year long. I'd be walking out on the last day of season thinking about next season. Should I, should I move to a different spot? Should I do this different? Should I get a different gun? Whatever, you know, I just just almost consumed me. But I always based, the perspective I had when I was younger, I based a hunt's success or lack of success on totally on whether or not I shot a deer. If I shot a deer, I was happy, I got a deer. If it was a nice buck, I took pictures. If it was a doe, I didn't really care, I got a doe, and then I'd move on, you know. But if it was a nice buck, the story got better, and you know, I got up and had raisin bran that morning for breakfast, and I drove down to the spot and walked out in the woods, and for, for a nice one, the story got real, real good. But if I didn't shoot one, there was something in me. I was upset. I was probably even a little angry. I felt like I had to wait a whole year now just to redeem myself because I failed in my hunt. Well, as I said, sometimes age will change your perspective about things. Now I go out. For me now, a successful day in the woods hunting deer is that I don't fall out of the tree and break my neck. Okay? I don't care so much about the deer anymore. I care about coming out in the same condition that I walked in. My perspective has changed. Faith will change your perspective about things. A situation in your life, faith will change your perspective. And as I said, sometimes I know I'm not making light of your situations. 
Sometimes something comes that can just crush us, just almost feel like it's going to destroy us. And even strong faith can be attacked. It can be weakened. It can, be, it can struggle sometimes. Those things do happen. But faith will change our perspective. You look at a situation without faith and we question why God allowed this to happen. Why do we have to endure this? We look at it with faith and then we get it. Maybe not right away, but eventually it comes to us what the purpose of that was, why we had to endure that, why we had to go through that. We learn from that and those things build our faith. They exercise our faith. They strengthen it. They bring us, help bring us to that point in that journey where we're trying to reach spectacular faith. We need to be mature in our faith also. Faith needs to be mature. We can't... We can't jump up and down and boldly proclaim our faith when God moves on our behalf and then get mad and toss it aside when he doesn't move in the way that we think he should. Okay, There are going to be times, you've all found this in your life, there are going to be times when God moves on our behalf and things change in our situation. They change in our favor. There's also going to be some times when those things don't change. You can have the same faith, but sometimes those things just don't change. There's going to be times in your life when you witness God moving mightily in the lives of your friends and your relatives. You'll see miracles of healing in their life. You'll see deliverance in their life. You'll see blessing in their life. Just wonderful, wonderful things that happen in these people's lives. There's also going to be a time in your life when you're looking down into a casket at those same friends and those same relatives and all the faith in the world doesn't change what's happening in that moment. Now, I wish I could tell you it's, that's not the way it is. But you all know from life experience, that's the way it is. It's unfortunate, it's sad, but that's the way it is. And I think we're all mature enough to accept that. But that sometimes that's what happens. Faith doesn't change that outcome sometimes. It may not change that event, but even in those events, even when that's the situation that takes place, faith will change your perspective concerning that event. Okay? It'll change your perspective concerning that event. And that's really the hard part about a loss like that. I mean, the Bible says that, uh, how's it word that? It says, uh, precious to the Lord is the death of his saints. It's a precious thing. When a saint passes from this life into eternity with Jesus Christ, it's a precious thing. It's a wonderful thing. The problem for us is we don't get to see any of that on this side of it. We have to stay here and deal with all the junk that goes with it. We have to deal with the loss. We have to deal with the sadness. We have to deal with, they're up there having the time of their life. But we have to deal with all the ramifications and the emotions and the grief and the sorrow of that thing that's taken place. We have to try and figure out how we're going to get along without them. We don't get to see what they're experiencing as a result of their faith. But faith, even though we experience it on this side of that event, our faith in God will change our perspective and our outlook on that event. Someone said after my dad died, you know, and most of you have experienced, well, you've all experienced loss, and they're talking about sorrow, and someone said to me, yeah, but it's a sorrow that's not without hope. Even in sorrow, you know, even in the worst thing you can imagine happening, through faith, there's a hope in that. I've always loved that song, I have joy in the time of sorrow. What a contradiction. And the world, you know, a perspective without faith can't understand that. How can you have joy in a time of sorrow? But because of faith, we can have joy in the time of sorrow. 
I have joy in the time of sorrow. I have peace in the raging storm. I have faith that Jesus holds tomorrow. I have hope resting in his arms. Desperate situations, disastrous situations that shake us right down to our core, but yet faith causes something inside of us to rise up. Faith gives us hope when the world has no hope. Faith gives us joy when we're facing sorrow. That's what faith does. It changes your perspective. And the source of true biblical faith is the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, Now faith comes from listening to this message of good news, the good news about Christ. That's where our faith comes from, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Abraham is a great example of how to receive and respond to God's word. Let me read for you in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10 said it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in a tent. And so did Isaac and Jacob, to whom God gave the same promise. Abraham did this because he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God." All right, Romans chapter 4. Verse 18, speaking again about Abraham. When God promised Abraham that he would become the father of many nations, Abraham believed him. God had also said, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, even though such a promise seemed utterly impossible. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he knew that he was too old to be a father at the age of 100, and that Sarah, his wife, had never been able to have children. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was absolutely convinced that God was able to do anything he promised. And because of Abraham's faith, God declared him to be righteousness. This is a man who I think we could safely say was at a point in his walk with the Lord where he had achieved a spectacular faith. Spectacular faith. Think about what Abraham was facing. Think about the situation that God, that he was in and the things, the physical things that he was looking at. And yet his faith didn't waver. His, he believed God. His faith grew even stronger in this situation. He believed God even though he knew the facts. Verse 19, it said, faith, Abraham's faith did not weaken. His faith didn't start there. This was not the start of Abraham's faith, okay? This was not the first experience Abraham had exercising faith in his life. His faith had been built up to that point. This is not the description of a novice in the faith. It's not a description of a babe in Christ, all right? It's not a description of an immature faith. This is a mature, built-up faith. This is an experienced and a strengthened faith by a man who had spent time exercising faith, practicing his faith in God. There's some good lessons here for all of us in Abraham's responses. I mean, just look at the ways he expressed his faith. In verse 18, he heard the word. It says, Abraham promised God he would become the father of many nations. Abraham believed him. God also said, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Abraham heard the word that God spoke to him. He heard the word that God had given to him. And that helped his faith. He placed his hope in a future according to that word. It said, your descendants. Abraham had not one child to hold at this point. Not one son even. Not even a daughter. Nothing in his arms to hold. And yet he had a promise. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars of the sky. 
He placed his hope in a future according to that word. He refused to accept natural evidence that contradicted the word. Verse 19 says Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though, see, even though there were circumstances here that would cause lesser faith to weaken. Even though he knew that he was too old to be a father at the age of 100, and that Sarah, his wife, had never been able to have children. Even though he knew these things, Abraham knew, okay, just, just from a knowledge standpoint, from head knowledge, Abraham knew he was too old to be a father. He knew this that the Lord said was physically impossible. There's no way that this can happen. But what Abraham knew did not line up with what God had said. Okay, what God says takes precedence over what we know. That's faith. What God says. We can see things in front of us. Abraham saw an impossible situation, but yet he knew what God had said. And that's where he put his trust. That's where he put his hope. Abraham did not waver in his commitment to the word. Says he never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, in spite of what Abraham knew, in spite of what he saw, in spite of what he knew physically to be true, his faith grew stronger. Wow. I don't know if my faith would be stronger when I saw what I knew versus what God has said. I don't know. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I don't know if my faith would be stronger in that situation. But the word says Abraham's faith grew stronger. He never wavered. Even though he hadn't seen one fulfillment of it yet, his faith never wavered. Abraham rejoiced in the fulfillment of the word, and he brought glory to God because of it. What a picture. What an example. That's something to shoot for. We might never get there. We might never get to the point Abraham was at. But that's something to shoot for. That's a goal, I think. Faith of Abraham. That's a good goal. Now, how do we build our faith? I think the first thing we have to do, and I, looking around the room, I wouldn't say that this exists here in anyone, but I think the first thing a person has to do if they want to build their faith is they first have to settle in their heart that the Word of God is true. If you don't believe completely that the Word of God is true, it's going to be hard to build faith, okay? You have to settle in our hearts that the Word of God is true. James 1, 5 through 6 says, If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him, and He will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that you really expect Him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. We need to settle in our heart that the word of God is true. We can't build faith by wavering back and forth between whether we believe or whether we don't believe. We can't let circumstances, we can't let moods, we can't let emotions dictate what we believe. Once we decide what we believe, we need to hang on to it. We need to cling to it. We need to take a firm grip on it and not let it go. We need to fight for it. Jude 3 says, contend for the faith. Why do we have to contend for our faith? Why do we have to fight for it? Because there's a thief out there who would desire nothing more than to take your faith from you. There's a thief, a robber, who's just waiting for a moment of weakness in you where he can grab a hold of that and begin to tug, begin to see if he can loosen your grip on it and take it out of your hand. That's why we fight for the faith. That's why we contend for the faith. That's why sometime, I love the wording, of, 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 of the songs that we sing, sometimes, as I said, when they're in, we're in those, those moments where we're just being bruised and battered and where maybe we, we sense our faith struggling, sense it not as strong as it used to be. And then a song comes up with the words, I know my Redeemer lives. 
Yes, we know it. And yes, we're never going to not believe that. But sometimes it's just so good to remind ourselves of what we know. Remind ourselves of what got us this far. And, and when that song comes up and the Spirit meets it, and our spirit agrees with that, and then we begin to sing, I know my Redeemer lives. There's just a power in that. There's something that wells up inside you and begins as we express it, as we speak it with our mouth, just begins to come out of us. I know my Redeemer lives. You know, we can say it as knowledge time after time. But when our spirit really gets a hold of that, yes, I know my Redeemer lives. All of creation testifies. This life inside me cries. I know my Redeemer lives. Amen. Faith touches that word. And that's the expression that we have. We fight for our faith. My faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of man. It stands in the power of God. That's another song that we do. It doesn't rise and fall when I'm backed against the wall. My faith stands in the power of God. We need to encourage ourselves in our faith. We need to lift ourselves up. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of the basic fundamentals of our faith when things are difficult. Just go ahead and remind yourself. Refresh in your own mind, in your own spirit. Go back to times when the Lord's moved on your behalf. If you're in a difficult situation, go back to a time in your life when the Lord moved mightily on your behalf. Think of a time. The Lord will bring to your mind a time where someone else, a friend of yours, a relative of yours, someone in the church, where they were in a difficult situation, and two weeks later they stood up and said, can I testify? And they spoke spoke of how the Lord moved mightily in their behalf. Encourage yourself with those testimonies. Encourage yourself in your history. That's why pastors talked about certain, certain things that take place in your life. Not everything, but you remember the children of Israel where the Lord would move mightily and they would set up monuments to that moving of the Lord. Set up monuments in your life. The times when God has moved mightily on your behalf. Set up markers where faith has really won the day for you. Okay? And then go back to, don't live back there but go back in your mind, your memory. Go back to those places and encourage yourself of how the Lord moved on your behalf in that situation. Amen? Amen. Our faith stands in the power of God. So settle in your hearts that God's word is true. Put yourself in a place of hearing the word of God. Again, Romans 10, 17. Now faith comes from listening to this message of good news, the good news about Jesus Christ. Put yourself in a place of hearing the word of God. It's simple. Just get into the word. Get into the Bible. Okay? Read it. Study it. Memorize it. <coughs> Listen to it. Hear it. Consume it. Devour it. Spiritual exercise. Exercise those spiritual muscles. You don't want to be sore like me when you get up out of the chair after a light days of duty. Okay? Exercise those spiritual muscles. Exercise. Strengthen that faith. We build our faith by being hearers and doers of the word. Luke 8.15 says, But the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's message, cling to it, and steadily produce a huge harvest. If you want to build your faith, allow your faith to be active. Allow your faith to produce results. You know, they talk about clinging the faith. There's nothing wrong with clinging to your faith. There's nothing wrong in a difficult time of digging your feet in and holding on for dear life, holding on with everything you've got. Don't be afraid to hang on to it. Don't be afraid to cling to it. You are not clinging to something, as the former governor of Minnesota said, is a sham and a crutch for weak-minded people. You remember when Governor Ventura basically insulted any person of faith and said they are just people who are clinging to a sham and a crutch, religious people. You're not clinging to a sham. It's not a crutch. It's your faith. 
It's your walk with the Lord. It's part of your relationship. Hang on to it even tighter if you have to. We're not, as one of our former presidents said, bitter people clinging to religion. We're not bitter. We've learned what our faith does for us, what faith and action does in our life and in the lives of people around us. Got nothing to do with being bitter. We're not clinging to something that we, you know, just refuse to, stubbornly refuse to let go to. We cling to it because it works. We hang on to it because it produces results in our life. That's why you cling to your faith. That's why you fight for your faith. You have got a hold of something when you have faith and when you exercise faith that will produce eternal benefits in your life. Don't give it up. Don't let an enemy sneak in and take it from you. Don't stand and watch as he drags it away. Fight for it. Contend for it. Cling to it. Especially in a time, you know, liberty and freedom, it's maybe not right out there in the wide open where it's obvious to everyone, but we're in a time where liberties and freedoms are being taken away from us. We're also in a time where people just willingly stand and allow it to happen. They allow their liberty and their freedom to just be taken away like they don't care. Don't let any enemy walk in and take your faith and relieve you of it. Don't wait for greater faith. Exercise the faith that you have. In Matthew, let's see here, Matthew 14.25, beginning. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking it was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I am here. Don't be afraid. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. All right, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. Now, Peter had the faith to step out. He didn't have the faith to complete that particular task of walking all the way to Jesus. But he did have the faith to step out. And you know, let's not be too hard on Peter. This is probably, we, hopefully you haven't jumped out of a boat lately and tried walking on the water. Okay, but all of us have stepped out in faith and maybe reached a point where our faith wasn't what we thought it was. And maybe we begin to sink in that situation. That'll happen. It's happened to all of us. But I believe by this situation, Peter's faith grew. I think it grew. I really did. Uh, I really do, I mean. And there's, there's obviously a little difference between the level Peter was at with his faith here and the faith Abraham had that we read about a little bit ago. That's okay. They were on different levels in their faith. As I said, all of us are on different levels of the faith. Don't wait for great faith to step out. Step out in the faith that you have. Exercise it. Let it grow. You might have to have Jesus reach down and pluck you back up. That's okay. He's got no problem doing that. So exercise the faith that you have. Don't wait for great faith to step out. To build your faith, avoid natural reasonings and philosophies of man that speak contrary to the revealed word of God. Man's knowledge cannot compare with God's word. It just can't. What man considers wisdom, God considers foolishness. It's just uh, the greatest minds that this world has ever seen. The, the, the 
some of the math these people can do, physicists and, and so forth, and, and the scientific breakthroughs that they have, to God, it's just, it's nothing. It's something spectacular that he's given these people the ability to do this, but in comparison to God, it's nothing. It's, it's foolishness almost. Avoid natural reasonings and philosophies that speak contrary to the word of God. Man will distort and deny the truth. Man will change the truth to suit his own wants and his own needs. God won't do that. God won't do that. Avoid natural reasonings of man. We build our faith with proper confession. What does Romans 10.9 say is one of the require or the requirement for salvation? He says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. It's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. We speak our faith. We put our faith into action. We get the word of God in our mouth. We build our faith with proper confession. Now as we wrap this up, some examples of faith in action. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, we see the leper. It says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached Jesus. He knelt before him worshiping. Lord, the man said, if you want to, you can make me well again. What faith? You can make me well again. The Roman officer, this is so familiar to you, but I'd like to read it anyway. Matthew 8, verse 5. It says, when Jesus arrived in Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and racked with pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Then the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know because I'm a, I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this or that, they do it. So Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. The, the thing about this story that confuses me the most is where did this man's faith come from? How did a Roman officer of all people have a faith that Jesus described as the greatest he'd seen in all of Israel? Think about the Romans in this time period and what they represented, okay? These were arrogant bloodthirsty savages, not to put too fine a point on it. Um, hardened by war and battle. I heard someone well-versed in history, I, I haven't checked it out myself, I heard someone say once that when these, a group of these soldiers would go into a town, they would randomly pick like the first five men they saw on the street and crucify them. They hadn't done nothing. Just to send a message to the rest of the people in town, you better fall in line or this is the faith that awaits you. What Barbarism, what brutality. This is what the Romans were. And yet a Roman centurion, an officer who had soldiers onto him, comes to Jesus in humility, not arrogance, but in humility, comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come into my house. Just say the word from where you're at. What a great example of faith. We read about Jairus already in Mark 5.23 said, my daughter's about to die, he said in desperation. Please come and place your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. His faith was such that he believed that just the touch of Jesus on his daughter could cause that to be taken from her. The blind man, Matthew 9, 27. said, after Jesus left, 
two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. Just a simple... I don't think there was doubt in their mind, but right there they could have said, No, I don't really believe. And it wouldn't have happened. But they looked at Jesus and said, yes. They answered the question affirmative. Yes, I believe you can heal me. And it says because of their faith, they were able to see. In the book of Hebrews, many wonderful examples of faith in here. Let me read just a few of them for you before we close. Verse 4 in Hebrews 11 says, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. God accepted Abel's offering to show that he was a righteous man. And although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us because of his faith. This one act of faith, thousands of years later, still speaks to us of the faith of Abel. Verse 5, it says, It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Suddenly he disappeared because God took him. But before he was taken up, he was approved as pleasing to God. Verse 7, it was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about something that had never happened before. Now, think about these situations. These aren't just little everyday occurrences that we might face. These are extraordinary events that happen in one particular time in history that these men are dealing with, these people are dealing with. And yet, by faith, they perform spectacularly in every situation. They, performed, they couldn't perform better, probably. In verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Though God had promised him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Verse 22, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, confidently spoke of God's bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. He was so sure of it that he commanded them to carry his bones with them when they left. They wound up being in Egypt, what, over 400 years? But no one was going to tell Joseph that there wasn't going to come a day when they were going to be out of Egypt. He was so sure of it. He said, when you go, you take me with you. Don't leave me here. Don't leave my bones here. You take me with you because it's going to happen. By faith. Take me with you. Take me out of here. Faith caused a man to build a boat out in the middle of nowhere where there'd never been a flood. But when the flood came, he was safe. Faith caused people to smear lamb's blood on the entrance to their house. But that faith caused the angel of death to pass over that house. Did I mention sometimes your faith might cause you to do something that seems ridiculous to everybody else? It's possible. But if God says do it, and you have the faith for it, you go ahead and do it. It doesn't matter how it looks to man. Remember, man's ways are not God's ways. Faith caused the nation to march around a city's massive walls. Ridiculous. What good is that going to do? But that faith caused those walls to crumble and fall. Faith caused a man to dip his diseased body in a dirty river seven times. But it also brought healing to that diseased body. Faith. The application of your faith may cause you to be ridiculed, persecuted, mocked, laughed at, maybe even killed. But that faith will also cause you to one day stand before the Lord and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen?